Hey everyone, and welcome to Co-Creating with AI, formerly known as CoCast. And with me here today is my good friend Rasmus. My name is Martin. We are founders of Multiply and AI Lovers. How are you today, Rasmus? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm really well. Uh, I love the weather, super sunny when looking out from the inside and super cold outside. And uh, I think that's just beautiful and cheering me up. Yeah, I had a lovely walk to the to preschool with my daughter in the, in the snow, like sledding instead of having like the stroller. Oh, nice. Sledding in the morning, so it's nice. Cool. Awesome. So what's going on in AI world? Yeah, I mean, a lot. <laughs> it's nuts, to be honest. Yes. It's re- really evolving at the pace where it's, it's hard to keep up, I feel. Uh, yeah. Even though I spend like, uh, I actually intentionally spend a lot of time on Twitter just to stay like abreast of what's happening. Hmm. Um, but I mean, the biggest thing since we um, recorded our last episode, which was a little while back, and now we sort of caught up with the release schedule. Um, it's definitely chat GTP, uh, GPT, right? And mm. even more so the, the release of their AI, uh, sorry, their API for uh, mm. chat GPT and mm. how quickly that has been integrated into existing solutions. And also, I mean, the just sheer amount of new solutions being developed and released and uh, the amount of funding going into them. It's, yes. it's I mean, it's, I don't even think it's a hype cycle, but I mean, if you're going to look at it that way, it's the quickest um, start of a like a VC and startup funding and launching cycle um, ever, I think. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I haven't been around for that long, right? But it makes sense. Uh, that's what I hear commenters saying as well. And it makes sense because ChatGPT has been the quickest growing consumer product, I think, of all time by far to get to like first a million users and then a hundred million users. Definitely. Um, yeah, that's kind of my general view, I think. What about you? Yeah. yeah, I see it the same. We're recording this in the beginning of March 2022. and uh, Sorry, 2023. It's now, yeah. And uh, uh, generative AI, especially text, is taking over uh, the world, uh, both our private lives and work and school. I see uh, like my, my daughters report that some classmates have chat GPT open every class they're in and uh, just continuously chatting with and actually staying on topic, like using it for school to learn more about what the teacher is actually talking about. And um, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. And uh, like if, if kids in Sweden are using it, uh, then kids everywhere uh, are. And, uh, and I really think that it's a big change in how we relate to, to, um, um, knowledge and and uh, learning in general, and uh, and I think it's fitting with the new name of the podcast, co-creating with AI. And I think we were onto something from the start there because I I really see that as key uh, to understanding what's going on now. That we're not abandoning any things, not no work is disappearing to AI, and and uh, uh, it's just that we are starting to co-create with AI. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because, like this, the speed of the way AI makes its entrance into our lives 
has definitely surprised me and I think many. Uh, now that we reach this kind of tipping point with first uh, GPT-3 and then with the consumerization of that, of course, with improvements on top right, uh, with ChatGPT. Um, it's a little bit like, you know, you had AI be a man behind the curtains, you know, for a lot of things. Right? We know it's like a Facebook feed and Google ads and everything is AI, right? There's so much stuff that's AI and, you know, I mean, uh, these drone swarms that people have seen do cool things for, for a bunch of years. That's, um, that's also AI, right, in many ways. Um, but the interesting thing here now in, on top of co-creation is it's almost like AI stepped out of the box and became a person, like a co-creator. Mm -hmm. It's like, all oh, right, now I'm actually talking to chat GPT and having a conversation, right? And mm -hmm. in my tools, you know, say Notion, most, I think, significantly, but also in, um, I mean, Microsoft has done some at least cool demos. I haven't tried it out myself. Um, it's a lot more like, okay, now you had you used to have the paperclip, but now it's actually alive. It's like a yeah. it's like a it's like a person there. It's a it's a co-creator, it's a co-worker, it's a it's an entity, you know, um that is um that is available and interacting with us, or at least that we can interact with. Uh, early innings, right? But I think it's a very, very significant shift and why I I fully agree with you that it's from the top, like the, the point of view of co-creation um, that we can really understand this shift, I think. Mm. And also, uh, there's a lot of innovation going on. The, the, the last thing I saw, I looked into yesterday was, um, or the latest, latest thing I saw was uh, a project called Backend GPT, which came out of a ChatGPT hackathon yeah. and where, where they're just, Instead of allowing or using the AI to code, they just replace all the code with the LLM, and and I think uses use cases like that are going to move into uh, actual um, usefulness over the next few months as well. And uh, um, and I also see two different phenomenons happening. Like one is the startups that are very thin wrappers around the um, Open AI APIs and or wrappers around open source projects like Langchain. Uh, there's, uh, for example, one Mac application called Embra. I think you sent me me the link uh, where yeah. which which is basically a very thin wrapper around Lang Langchain, where one of the things they tout as an innovation is just to visualize the internal thinking process of Langchain and uh, the tools that Langchain. Uh, selects for for or allows um, um, the AI to select to use as part of producing an answer. Bing is Bing Chat is doing the same. Being transparent with um, now to produce an answer for you, I'm searching for this term and I'm searching for this phrase, and uh, that's also a way to keep the user entertained while producing an answer yeah. because it still takes some time, but. Uh, um, and I think those are really two different categories of services appearing now, uh, the thin wrappers around API and uh, where services where the API is integrated and providing a new framework or interface to an existing service like Bing or Notion and Coda releasing their offerings in AI. 
So that's uh, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, go for it. No, go for it. Yeah. So that's uh, um, what is most prevalent for me now. Like, where is the real innovation happening? Is it in larger companies with the existing services, or is it in smaller companies that are not sort of um, burdened by um, the previous uh, by by previous code bases and and um, user expectations? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And I've actually been surprised by um, how quickly existing services have been able to get, I mean, you know, uh, ChatGPT primarily, I'd say, um, to really integrate well with their current offerings. Like I've been actually quite impressed with, for example, how uh, Notion, you can ask it to... Um, um, you know, uh, summarize something in a table, and it creates a notion table in there. I was I was really impressed with like how quickly they got it to that you know um, well working state. But I guess that's also like one of the benefits of it coming via an API, right? It's very clearly defined like how you can utilize it, and then of course they have um, APIs for their own platform, so they can just you know connect that. But um, uh, I think it's all it's 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 going to be like two things, right? So I I would say that existing services that have some kind of deeper value already that bring like need to bring in these new capabilities because it will be expected, and I think there will be some first mover advantages there, but I almost think that that it will be more like a, a hygiene bar at at you know in a few years that you need to have a good um, natural language type uh, interaction or interface with most products that people will start expecting it. Like you need a mobile app to really be a relevant, uh, you know, service. That's you know, that's mm-hmm. that's just the way it is, right? For I mean, for most uh, for most products uh, out there. And then if you look at this like Cambrian explosion of new thin wrappers, I'd, I'd probably say actually it's too early to judge. But I mean, a very good way to start a startup is to have a thin, thin something, a small MVP, right? So if they just start in a good enough angle where this new paradigm of, of uh, these large language models enables something new, and they start with thin wrap, and then they can continue moving that curve, and that will take them somewhere fundamentally different than existing offerings within their category, or you know, completely new offerings. I mean. Uh, you know, uh, do a photo shoot of yourself online was not a service. Hmm. That is a very easy service now. Upload a few pictures and you get a photo shoot in, in like, uh, you know, wherever really on the beach, in the mountains, in a, I don't know, you can do so many things, right? That was not a, that's a completely new category of product in, in digitally because it replaces the physical need to do a photo shoot, right? Hmm. Um so my bet is actually that this, uh, in general, like on average, whatever you want to say, this um, this is not a hype cycle. I think there's a, there's a lot of really like new types of products that are coming out. Mm. How I about think you? So too. What, do you, what do you think about this? Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, where I see that there are um, where innovation is lacking right now is uh, basically in in um, the ability for for uh, 
companies to or it's very difficult for companies to to find the balance between making a deep creating a deep user value and getting to market very quickly and i think that what we're seeing now is the burst of startups that have chosen a quick market entry and i think that but i think that there are also an equal amount of startups that are working behind the scenes to create the deeper value so i'm excited yeah. about both seeing what's coming out now and then also following up what what's going ahead and i actually uh loved um for example when uh companies use langchain now as their foundation of the of their offering that that it means for them that there's a huge amount of influx of value into that open source project lots of developers mm. engaging so yeah. basing having that as core means that you can have you get sort of a virtual developer team working on the core while you can yeah. keep improving the use the user experience of your thin wrapper and mm. still have depth in the end of the user experience mm. and what is so cool about langchain is that it creates an inner life for the ai uh, that it actually thinks before it speaks and i think that's one uh, flaw of uh, how many people think about ai that um you expect a, a great answer from the start. And what Langchain does is to allow the the AI to access tools and, and a short-term and a long-term memory uh, to both have a more complex inner state and also have the ability to bring in information and doing calculations. Actually, one tool available in Langchain is for allows the AI to write quickly write some Python code, execute it, and then report the answer back as part of mm. what what they're answering. So, if wow. if the users if the AI assumes that the code will produce a better answer or it needs to code to produce an answer, you can actually provide it with such a tool. Wow! And um, just like I can imagine a great user experience with where that is the core. Just I'm asking the AI questions and I see it producing code to to give me the answer. Mm. It would be awesome, but yeah. um, um, and the other one, um, uh, like uh, the other uh, deficiency I see right now, um, is that we as users are not expecting that we have to iterate and that AI doesn't have to learn. We expect we expect AI to be really good at coding out of the box, but. We don't expect an infant baby to to already know how to code. We put them through through um, nine or twelve years of school, and then we teach them to code. And we can actually, I think that what we can see a ChatGPT as is that infant baby that have learned to talk, and we can now we can teach it how to read books and how to learn like learn things from existing knowledge. And it's already read a lot of books, but it hasn't structured that into any other way than just to form a brain that can think and produce uh, language. And um, then um, giving it structure on how to access tools, access programming environments to to properly code and iterate on code is, uh, I think, the next step for for AI as a as a as a tool for humans. Yeah, interesting. I mean, it will come back to. Um, I mean, I agree that the, the my my basic understanding of these new LLMs is we 
we were able to make them smart, um, like general, generally smart and generally able to learn primarily, right? We touched upon this earlier, I think, in an earlier episode. Um, and it became smart by ingesting a lot of knowledge to form its neural pathways, so to say, if we're going to take the brain analogy. Um, but now it, it, uh, it sort of needs to become wise as well, you know, how to use knowledge, how to reason, uh, how to um, use tools, uh, which is, is kind of embodied, embodied experience or embodied intelligence, right? Um, which is interesting because the, the first and, and the first wave of AI, I think like, I don't know, it was 30 or 40 or 50 years ago, uh, was very much like trying to create, you know, logic trees and like how to think well. Um, I think there's a term for it, but I'm, I'm not sure what it is. Um, and like my gut feel is that will come back, right? So now we have the raw intelligence and now all these wrappers on top and these, um, you know, Langchain is, a, is an amazing example. Means that we add some kind of wisdom or experience or a, like a embodied intelligence. I'm not sure what the right word is yet. Um, maybe several of them. Um, on top of that, and that leads to really, really amazing uh, outputs and capabilities. Um, and I think on the topic of like deeper tech kind of AI startups that are not going as quickly to the consumer product. I mean, I think we mentioned Adept in an earlier episode, mm. like going all in with like, I don't know if it was half a billion dollars or whatever they got to uh, teach um, one of these like or create maybe a lang large language model read it, or teach an ex existing one to use all the software in the world. And mm. that's, you know, yeah, I mean, that's that's really a next level kind of implication on, on what that could do, right? Then it's a generalized knowledge worker almost mm, in many ways. And I think that um, the, the, the shift from... Um, machine learning and that kind of computational, uh, uh, where um, computational projects where you work a lot with numbers to pr produce a result to, to set pricing models for hotels or or detect uh, anomalies in vibrations to do preemptive uh, um, preemptive service on on trucks um, that are on the road constantly. Uh, that those kind of kinds of AI projects will also start to benefit from language models, uh, large language models. Uh, now uh, they they sort of get a, another uh, tool in their um, toolbox to produce more uh, to produce automation on top of the data um, computations that they're already doing, and. Uh, what you mentioned about embodied, like the research in embodied experiences, uh, is so vastly um, goes back so vastly uh, further in time. Like the the attempts that have been made to get AI-driven robots, <clears throat> sorry, robots to man to manage to navigate human environments, like picking up uh, coke cans in in an office or. Mm. Or just uh, being industrial, working as industrial robots and and navigating a uh, um, in industrial space, or the the robots that are um, 
used by Amazon to do inventory management and and uh, an immense amount of other e-commerce uh, um, logistics uh, now. And those will will also over time be augmented about uh, the, res- the, the, the the semantic reasoning that an LLM can provide. Yeah, I actually saw a couple of things about that. Like one was a demo from Microsoft with a robot, I think, that you could um, talk with and it responded both verbally and physically. <clears throat> and the other one was, um, I think it was a research paper just released from DeepMind or Google Brain, um, where you like it really could learn to navigate like the physical environment uh, by like using one of these LLMs. I think it was their Llama or something. Um, maybe that was Facebook. Anyhow, mm-hmm. wrong name probably. Um, but anyhow, they, it could sort of uh, look at a couple of pictures, see what's different. You could ask it questions about the picture, and it could answer it. Um, like, and and of course, that's you know very transferable to the physical world, right? So yeah, I, I think this is uh, probably the biggest hypercharger across industries, like ever, uh, is this capability of intelligence in mm. a digital format. Uh, and and like I mean that makes so much sense, and it looks like it's again not the hype cycle, uh, in the sense that it it is an accelerator across you know platforms across industries. Yeah, and that actually sort of makes me um, a bit question what I what I said before on like hygiene versus competitive edge and first mover advantage. I actually think that it's quite likely. Now that I think about it, that one, A, we have the Cambrian explosion of new stuff, right? And But then on the other side of that is, is uh, the increased competition and Darwinian uh, destruction or extinction event that mm. comes from that. So I think it might be a combined Cambrian explosion and I don't know what the, the right uh, historical uh, like or geological uh, reference is here, but an extinction event, event right? Yeah. Uh, Jurassic, maybe I don't know. When when mm. did the dinosaurs die? Um. Hmm. And I think one indicator of that is that the uh, or uh, sorry, um, rather an indicator of that the dinosaurs actually have an opportunity to transform into a new era is that the thin wrappers around the AI APIs that are creating the most value are the ones that are tapping in into our repositories of knowledge the the ones that work together with the code base that, that our developers uh, have or or the ones that are, are built on top of of uh, um, notion and coda that are able to to reason based on on the information that is already stored in there I think they are the ones that are doing best and uh, um, another example is uh, there's a there's a, an AI app framework called Dust that have re- released an assistant called XP1, which just uses the all the browser tabs that I have open at the moment. So I can write prompts that use information from any tab I would I have open, mm. and just that slight advantage of being able to uh, use information and or make an information addressable that I already have, and I don't have to copy paste it into the, the chat with an AI. Just we are at the level where that gives a slight advantage over over the competition, where you can, if you can leverage data that is pre-existing, 
allow the AI to access it where the data lives rather than copy pasting data into a conversation. That that's where we are in innovation right now. Like just a, a raw data access, finding innovation, innovative ways of interfacing the AI with our repositories of knowledge. Uh, I think that's where the the core of current innovation is at the moment. Yeah, it's quite interesting actually on that. Like like those two points. I'll take the last one first. Like and and also tying it back to where we started. So we have this new co-creator, right? AI that is in in many ways hyper intelligent in in you know many 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 specific ways. And it's like having an extremely smart friend who's always there. Like mm. if you don't you know if you don't work with him or her, like then like you're you're not you're not really uh, doing it right um and the interesting thing is since everyone now will have access to this super smart coworker co-creator uh, both on an individual and and the corporate level whoever does not like will really fall behind so i think like um if you look at like the historical 10x developer uh, you know that some people some agree is there, is not. But I really think there will be like a 10x, 100x, everything, everyone now. Marketeer, um, you know, entrepreneur, uh, developer, whatever the role, like the person, like the people who can work with uh, AI and co-create with them, like the real co-creators um, will be, you know, 10, 100x more productive and be able to get so, create so much more value. Um, but that also is the flip side of those who don't can't compete, either mm. on an individual or, or corporate level. Mm. Um, so there's really, I think, if you look at like, I mean, we already talked about the corporate side, right? Maybe an extinction event over the next 5, 10, 15 years. But also on the job market, right? I think that kind of um, the necessity to re-learn, uh, re, uh, right? They have a word for this, right? Continuous learning, reskill yourself. Uh, will be for for pretty much everyone across every industry. Uh, the the good thing though is that it's natural language, right? So it's very accessible. Yeah. It's very accessible. It just requires a little bit of humility that I used to have to do this, and now yeah, I don't have to anymore. And then I can spend my time uh, elsewhere. And you probably need to be more creative in how you work with with AI, how you co-create. Like yeah, I actually think co-creation might be like the core skill. Of the future, <laughs> I'm not at all like talking yeah. about book, right? <laughs> awesome, and I think we're coming up to the point where we're going to round off and uh, leave the listener to pr- perhaps progress to the next episode if you're listening to this um, in hindsight. So, Rasmus, do you have any conclusions before we round off, or anything else to send to the listener? No, I think that I think those were the the key things. Maybe just like the one last reflection on on your um, on talking about the, the corporate side and the tools. Um, I think you're really like really right on like the the data sources will be extremely valuable. They used to say data is the new oil, right? But yeah. I think now we will discover that wow, it really was. And those who those companies who have those uh, will have real competitive modes. 
But I think unless you do that, I think it's going to be quite hard to compete with these fast-moving new AI-first uh, products uh, across industries um, because they might be you know, vastly cheaper, faster, better quite quickly. And the speed that they can move will, will be very, very high. And also, like, you know, because <laughs> I think it will be the, the companies building AI, like AI-first products will probably also be AI-first people which means they will be 10x, 100x people in a few years, right? Yeah. And organizations. So it, it's competing not only on the product and towards the end user in the offering, it's also in like the execution and organization of how you get shit done. So mm. it's like a double whammy. Um, and yeah, I'm going to really look forward to explore that. Uh, it would actually be fun to, to bring on some guests who are, um, who are at the forefront of this. Let's, let's look into that. Yeah, definitely. Let's do that. How about you? Do you have any, any last uh, reflections? No, I just want to um, encourage people to look into if you haven't already. Um, but if you're a listener to the podcast, uh, this podcast specifically, then you probably are interested in AI already. Um, but look into uh, the tools that are coming out now that actually allows you to interface with the, uh, your existing knowledge repositories because that's where AI really shines where you don't have to copy paste everything into chat GPT but it actually is right there for the AI to leverage that's that's my uh, send off I think yeah I'll take that advice I'm gonna I haven't tried dust excellent yeah. thank you so much Rasmus thank you Bye. to my dear our dear listener as well for tuning in and uh, let's uh, talk more about AI in the next episode.